What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, March 30, 2023. It's about 3.35 in the afternoon on the East Coast of the United States. Tony Schaefer joins us now. Tony, thanks very much, as always, for uh, coming back to our cameras. Let's start with uh, some breaking news. You tell sure. me if you think this is credible or not. Uh, Admiral Kirby, John Kirby, the um, spokesperson for President Biden's national security council just announced that Russia is so running out of ammunition to use in the uh, conflagration in Ukraine that it is purchasing, buying, getting, taking, bartering ammunition from North Korea. Is this credible, Tony? Uh, I, I don't doubt that the North Koreans may be providing ammunition because they're all in kind of a, a you know working together behind the scenes. With that said, um, it's kind of like, and so I don't think the Russians are all that desperate about anything. Everything indicates to me, uh, Judge, everything I read, everything I, I've uh, checked out is that the Russians have moved their economy to a wartime economy. That is to say, they've taken and uh, activated those elements uh, that were essentially created during the Cold War as part of the Soviet Union. Uh, they maintained them and now they're you're using them. And they've now not only ramped up to produce all the uh, ammunition they need. They're now assembling uh, tank uh, factories, which are going to put put out about 1,500 tanks over the next year. So, Tony, I don't know if I don't know if Admiral Kirby has any credibility when he makes these comments, which are obviously intended for PR consumption. They don't they don't affect the field of battle. Right. Well, I think that's the thing. Kirby is trying to play to an audience of the West. Putin has decided that he's going to play to the audience of, of his of his people, of Russia, and the rest of the world. And so what Kirby is saying right now does not have any credibility anywhere outside of the U.S. mainstream media. Now, every, everybody else, I think, would ignore this statement on its, on its face. Here's, um, here's a tape of uh, Secretary of Defense Austin, who's showing what a terrible liar he can be. Uh, He's being interrogated by Senator Roger Wicker of the uh, Senate Armed Services Committee. Take a listen. With regard to your optimism about Ukraine having the upper hand, that is what you told me yesterday. It it is. Now, what I was about to say, Senator, is that Ukrainians have inflicted significant casualties on the Russians, and they have depleted their inventory of armored vehicles in a way that no one would have ever imagined. And so now we see Russia reaching for T-54s and T-55 tanks because of the level of damage that the Ukrainians have inflicted on them. Reaching for those tanks demonstrates what to you, sir? It demonstrates that their capability is waning. We've continued uh, to witness uh, them be challenged with uh, artillery munitions and other things, and they're reaching out to Iran, to North Korea. 
Do, do you believe there's a real chance for significant Ukrainian advancements between now and the beginning of winter? I believe that there's a chance, and we're doing everything that we can do to uh, ensure that they have their best opportunity to be successful. Believable or not, Tony? No, look, I know General Austin. I worked for him when he was a brigadier general, and uh, his credibility has never been great in the military. Uh, remember, Judge, very, very briefly, he actually um, was the one who was helping cook the books regarding the so-called success of the Obama administration against ISIS. Uh, it was he and Scotty Barrier. Hey, Scotty, if you're listening, Scotty is now the director of DIA. Oh. <laughs> So I'm just telling you, it's like, right. so Scotty's really? a three star now. He's a three star. He's, he's Lieutenant General. And I know Scotty from being in combat. Scotty's, Scotty's credibility, it, it goes as far as whoever he thinks he can suck up to to get his next promotion. Just saying. Well, so, that, so you know, um, Ritter says that, the, that, or Scott Ritter, our mutual friend and colleague, right, Scott, yeah. uh, argues that Secretary Austin is no longer a four-star, no longer has loyalty to the military. His loyalty is to Raytheon, his last employer before Joe Biden tapped him, uh, and to Joe Biden. His loyalty is not to the truth. Right. No, it's not been for a long time. But he's under oath, and he's testifying to uh, to to Congress. Remember when yeah. Roger Clemens, someone asked me, who's the last time somebody was prosecuted for lying to Congress? It was Roger Clemens, the great Yankee pitcher, who was accused of lying about the contents of his urine to Congress. Right. First trial was a hung jury. Second trial, he was acquitted. He was found not guilty. But they don't prosecute people for lying to Congress, and they never prosecute their own. The feds don't prosecute other feds for lying to Congress. No, of course. No, this, this um, maybe uh, General Austin would be better off having your analysis because maybe it would be <laughs> if he's actually on drugs or not. I'm just saying because, no, he's what he's saying is patently, provably false. The other thing, Judge, remember, I've been in hearings, I've testified at hearings, I've seen people across from me on the same panel lie in front of Congress. I've been inside of closed hearings and heard generals lie in front of me. So lying is nothing new. Generals, to a certain, after a certain point, most generals, not all, there's a few I believe are honest, and I deal with them on a regular basis, will, will fundamentally shape their commentary around the political reality they're trying to achieve rather than the facts on the ground of what we need to analyze. That's the way they operate now. And to your point, General Eisenhower warned us about the military-industrial-congressional complex. Right. And, and Austin is a product of that complex. They used to call it the military-industrial complex. You are quite correct, quite correct, Tony, in my view, uh, to add Congress. You might also add banking because, you know, yes, the sir. banks, the banksters make a fortune on this uh all the time. They get free money from the Fed. They lend it to the um, uh, manufacturers. The manufacturers sell it to the government. The government uses fake money from the Fed to pay the manufacturers. They use the fake money to pay back the banks. It's almost absurd. Right. In the process, of course, the executives become fabulously rich. The taxpayers become fabulously poor. Generations of taxpayers as yet unborn have more uh, debt to pay because of inflation and uh, and interest rates, and this just keeps going on and on and on. And I guess Lloyd Austin exemplifies Tony. I don't want to dump on him. I understand he's a nice no, guy, I, he's a serious family man, he's a serious Catholic, whatever. But I guess he exemplifies all of this at its at its worst. So two points, real quick. Look, the the, the idea that that any uh, money that we generate as a people, we taxpayers, 
is is at this point harassment because the, the, the government prints all the money you just talked about, all that money that's circulating, that's phone, that's that's monopoly money. And at this point in time, Judge, they don't need our tax dollars. That's harassment because they simply take that to keep right. us down. To the, right. But back on Austin, real quick. Look, uh, Austin um, was someone who was probably good as an officer up to the 06 colonel level. Uh, once he hit colonel, uh, he exceeded it's the, the, the Maslow's hierarchy, ar- hierarchy of achievement. Uh, he exceeded his ability to perform at a higher level. And this has happened overall in the military over and over, Judge, where someone is picked because of their political reliability rather than their military expertise. And Austin is in that category. What are your sources telling you about uh, Bakhmut? We are hearing that it is in the process, finally, uh, of falling to the Russians. I think it's not an issue of falling. I think the Russians have allowed the Ukrainians to uselessly uh, push multiple uh, combat units into the cauldron for purposes of reducing the, the Ukrainians. When I hear Austin talk about this depletion of Russian ammunition is like, really, they're, they're, they're lobbing 30,000 rounds a day and they're not looking like they're going to slow down when the Ukrainians can't do that. And then as any time the, the, the Ukrainians set up for an attack, they're instantly wiped out by this very sophisticated and effective ISR, intelligence surveillance uh, system that the Russians have put together. So it's kind of like, yeah, I don't think they're in any rush to kind of close that off since basically they're allowing the Ukrainians to bleed out. Why would you want to it's, a, it's an interesting, uh, interesting observation, uh, Tony, that yeah. the Russian military knows it has Bakhmut surrounded and yeah. knows it can tighten that noose whenever it wants, but it wants the Ukrainians to deplete ammunition and human resources before it uh, closes the noose. Remember, the Russians have even the Russians have mobilized a great uh, amount, about twenty five percent of their uh, uh, available reserves, for purposes of going into uh, to deal with whatever they're going to do next. They're not using those, but right now, Judge, the Ukrainians are pushing everything they've got. The Russians have adequate susp- uh, logistics to resupply what they lose. The Ukrainians don't, so it's kind of like, uh, yeah, keep keep throwing them our way. We know you can't replenish them, and we can't. So why why rush uh, closing off uh, an open wound if the if they continue to bleed out? That's and that's how much longer. Do you, how before. much longer uh, do you think this will uh, go on? As as Zelensky said today, I think in an interview, we're doing this for purposes of trying to prove a point that we can hold uh, terrain. And it's like that's a big vanity project, Judge. If I ever heard one, uh, that's not military strategy. Here's an interview he gave two or three days ago uh, on a train to an American uh, interviewer. I don't know who she is or the network for which she works, or I'd give them uh, credit for it. She asks him some pretty good questions. I'd like your opinion on, it's in English, I'd like your opinion on his responses. Is this part of why you are fighting so hard in Bakhmut? Because a lot of military analysts will say that strategically it's not that because that will be victory for him. He will s- any victory. Yes, he will sell this victory. He will sell this victory to West, to his society, to China, to Iran, to all the countries, to Brazil, to Latin America countries, not to Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia. Of course, they really understand, you know, from from details, and they feel this dangerous because they 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 neighbors. So. But he will sell it to his society. Well, that was the first step. 
Now, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I will, I will have decision with Ukraine. Then another step, another step, another step. Putin wants to take Bakhmut because he wants to sell the victory to the east. I, I think that's baloney. I think that's what Zelensky is trying to sell the West to keep uh, the gravy train coming. Look, uh, Judge, uh, Putin's already made his case to the rest of the world. He's basically yeah. trying to show that he's the adult in the room. He's working with Xi, the other adult in the room, the Chinese, and they're trying to show restraint. They're trying to let uh, Ukraine use the ama- significant amount of military force they've acquired through the West uselessly. Uh, believe, trust me on this. Uh, if I had the chance to have a, if, if I was facing off with a neighbor and I knew he had a lot of weapons and uh, I knew that he was shooting at me constantly, de- degrading that, before I take any action, I'm going to want to degrade everything he's got before I go on the offensive. So right. this is not hard to figure out. I think Zelensky is playing to a Western audience who, who he's, by the way, I, I saw something today where he, the uh, I think it was the Austrian parliament walked out of a speech he was giving. So Chuck, I think it, Tony, you're reading my mind. I was just going to ask you about that. Uh, One third of the Austrian parliament, it didn't give him the standing ovation the U.S. Congress got. They literally turned their backs on him and walked out. Now, shouldn't shouldn't his intel have told him that that would happen? And maybe this is not the time to give that speech. So now you have Austria and Hungary right in the middle of Europe publicly rejecting Zelensky and either remaining neutral, Austria, or siding with the Russians, Hungary. I would think he's regretting having given that speech and the horrible press he's getting as we speak in Europe. This is the danger of believing your own press. Uh, people on our side do it too. Dave Petraeus and others have believed their own press and significantly fail on the other end of it. This is what's going on. Now, Judge, the Europeans probably like you and I and, and our other colleagues who talk about this all the time recognize that there's going to be no victory unless NATO, and I mean ground truth, troops roll in to help Zelensky. There's just, it's just, it's just, it's a numbers game. I'm not, I'm not pro-Russian. I'm pro-reality. All right. Tony, and, and is there, is there the political will in Europe for NATO ground no. troops, German, French, no. Polish, maybe no. there isn't Poland, Italy. No, there isn't. No, 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 no. no. But the Poles have their own attitude about this. The president of Poland wants to invade Crimea, a, which would right. be different attitude for different reasons. That's right. But that's right. different. Yes. But but does the does American Intel, your former colleagues, recognize enough to tell their bosses in Langley, this is going south without NATO troops on the ground, and you guys, Langley and the West Wing, have to tell us if NATO troops on the ground are going to make it? I have a small intelligence team that publishes a report every day. I look at it and I understand effectively what's going on. Effectively, the Russians have amassed an, an amazing amount of, of, of weapons uh, that they're, they've not used yet. Uh, basically, you've got uh, probably a, a, a tank army or two, a significant amount of force ready to take on, at best, uh, reinforced brigades of the Ukrainian military. And by the way, the Ukraine, if, if they got back, moved back, uh, the Ukrainians, they can't hold it. They don't have manpower sufficient to set up logistics trains to go in and hold the territory they're trying to, to maintain. So again, it's a numbers game at this point. And those who are wise in Europe and in, in greater Europe outside of Poland recognize there's nothing to be had from going to total war. Plus, the other thing is, again, it, our economies, all the NATO economies are not pre- prepared 
to go to full war footing. We don't have an industry that can switch over and become ready to manufacture in mass what we would need to, pre to prevail in a war against Russia. We're just not prepared and nobody's willing to do that preparation. Tony, the argument you just made, as articulate and compelling as it is, is, is that argument making its way to President Biden's ear? Well, so I know why you, you have just, a lot of friends on both sides of the political aisle, active duty, former, etc. I, do. I don't want you to reveal any no, secrets. You the, know the if this sensible the, argument is being discussed in the White House? The military uh, leadership I still am friendly with recognize everything we've just said. They know it. But the problem is when it gets to the general officer level, it gets modified and mollified. It's it's translated in such a way to only present good news and hope. And, and you and I both know, Judge, hope ain't a strategy. And these generals ought to know better. But no, I think it's going to Biden is we can still do this. We can still pull it off. And I think it's, it's again, encouraging the politicians who have an agenda, who want to have Ukraine come into the EU to be part of the EU and NATO uh, to have a false sense of hope. So I think as much as I criticize Biden and his inner circle, I think that they're being told they're they're being uh, things are being blown up their skirt, so to speak, right now. Now, last uh, last series uh, of questions. Uh, this is I'm going to prevail on your political side, which I know also exists. Aside from your intel and your military side, Joe Biden doesn't have an off ramp. He doesn't have he doesn't have a safe, politically credible way out of this. Am I right? You're right, and they but they've. They've went past at least five off-ramps they've been offered, Judge. They've been offered a number of face-saving and otherwise uh, op good options to examine how they can enter into do, to do three things. First, enter, to, in, enter into a negotiation, a, a, an issue where they actually sit down and say, look, we recognize that the, the invasion's wrong from our perspective. I'm saying from their perspective, I'm not, I'm not justifying, I'm, t I'm, I'm speaking as a third party, that that they could say, you know, but it's time for us to talk. They could do that. Secondly, uh, they could have gone and gone to NATO and said, we got to go with Poland and talk to, to Putin about, do you intend to going past Ukraine? Just have the conversation. And I think that would have opened the door for, enough, uh, for some good dialogue between both sides, which again is a, is a, is a, is a type of offering to at least de-conflict, de, uh, uh, right. bring, the, bring the, the temperature down in the room. And third, of course, China. China's offered a viable path forward with the 12 points. They should have got ahead of a judge. They could have said, well, we know the Chinese are about to introduce 12 points. We've got our points. And here's right. the things we need to do. And they didn't do it. They have sat yeah. back and, and been, they are a passenger in their own uh, clown car of freedom. Next week, I want to pick your brain uh, on China. Tony Schaefer, always a pleasure. Very much appreciated by our audience and, of course, by me. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, sir. Always great to join you. Of course, if you like what you just saw, like and subscribe. More as we get it. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.